This is We Are Netflix. Netflix employees talking about work and life at Netflix. What Netflix is doing right now is creating and giving a forum for great storytellers around the world to create. And that diffusion of decision-making that we have at Netflix will enable us to make great choices all around the world. Five years ago, Netflix only served customers in the U.S. and Canada. But now we stream to 190 different countries. Our challenge is to make sure that the movies and TV shows that we create represent the globe. I'm Lyle Troxell, and in this episode of We Are Netflix, we'll take a closer look at how this vision is taking shape in one of the countries we serve. Recently, my family and I were lucky enough to vacation in Japan, so I took a day to visit our Tokyo office and speak with two of the people leading our content creation there. John Derdarian, who we just heard from in the opening clip, is director of content for Netflix Japan. He's in charge of all our Japanese content development. And Taito Okiira is director of international originals, specializing in anime. Taito is well known in the anime world. He headed up his own studio, David Productions, before joining Netflix. I started by asking Taito how it feels to work at Netflix compared to running his own company. I've noticed that the feeling of having a lot of freedom feels very much like you're a small business person or a contractor in the sense that you're like, you're doing what makes sense to you most of the time. Taito, does it feel that way coming from an entrepreneur where you're running your own business, you're doing your own production company, coming into a larger company? Does it feel different to you than running your own thing? Surprisingly, pretty much similar. This is a big corporation with startup mind. And people in Tokyo office assume Netflix culture very seriously. People have some commitment to the radical openness and honesty and candidness. We have this credo, silent disagreement is disloyal for Netflix culture. However, Japanese proverb says, silence is golden. (laughs) (laughs) And um, people with Confucianism culture respect seniority. But after all, it's all about high performance. People committed to the high performance, then uh, practice our openness and honesty in our own way. So we are a long way to improve our global EQ. However, we are trying day by day. And have you found challenges in managing people that come from a different company and coming in and changing their culture? Do they find it refreshing? Is it challenging? Um, basically, hiring is very tough in this market. Why? So um, we need to hire someone who are very good at with the business and also who can speak English fluently. This English fluency is a big challenge for us. And also this you know, cultural commitment is uh, one, another challenge. Some people say this organization is not for everyone. So those people who join Netflix already have some adaptability to open culture. That's my view. We're looking for people that have experience and have proven themselves in some level, right, within the existing kind of industry and ecosystem. But there's an itch. They're kind of chafing at some element of the culture. And when we come to them, they say, ah, this might be the solution. Freedom, ownership. You mentioned the word ownership. That's a really key for us because that's how I think we're able to work very quickly and independently right? And have the context not control. The sense of someone owning a part of the business, being the thought leader around that, I think that that's really critical. And it's something that we, in the process of interviewing folks, we think a lot about. Okay, you say ownership, but Mm. this is a subsidiary of a California company, right? Yes. Do you have to run things through the head office? 
Listen, I mean, I think the power of Netflix is there's not a choke point at the top. There's a lot of trust across the organization. That's how we have a freedom and responsibility culture. We we feel like we hire people that can make those decisions, are confident to make those decisions, and um, are going to use exercise good judgment in those decisions. And that includes the the, the buying that we do here, the, the original commissions we do here. We talk about them a lot. We debate them. We discuss them. But ultimately, we have a lot of autonomy to make choices. What kind of choice have you made uh, in your role here? that would be surprising to someone in a different company? Something like uh, Pacific Rim is a show that, you know, we sought out to make as an anime. Um, we went to Legendary. We created a partnership, a fantastic fit. The original IP is developed by Guillermo del Toro and um, and Legendary into film franchise is so suitable for anime. Oh, yeah. has so much DNA of anime in it already in terms of the It's mega. a transformation. of If it's an anime piece, it right. has to be a film. Yeah, yeah and now mm-hmm. we're bringing it back to anime. Do you, you focus on more than just anime, correct? I, know I do. That Taito's, uh, you're anime-focused, correct? Yes. Yeah. So what are the other uh, genres that you're working really, on? Really, it's just live action and anime. Okay. Anime is, is such a big part of our, our um, content creation out of Japan and content licensing that... Um, we put a lot of resources to it. So I spend a lot of my time doing that, working with Taito, working with the rest of the team. Why is anime so important in Japan? Because Japan uniquely creates it. There are some anime shows we do create outside of Japan. It's debatable whether that's anime. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of debate about that. But we believe they are because they, we, we believe they're created by people that love and respect and, and are imbued with the anime culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the anime is created in Japan, obviously. And it travels very broadly across Netflix. It's a category that has an audience and a fandom truly globally. Definitely. (laughs) Um, Why is the anime art form, especially 2D anime art form, what's so powerful about it? Japan is full of very strong IPs. Uh, Those manga uh, stuff like Dragon Ball, uh, My Hero Academia, and Godzilla, um, they are very popular uh, and it's locally strong, but it also has a strong high awareness on the global market. And anime is very unique uh, to tell uh, such characters and IPs in the narratives. What's, what's unique about it? The art form doesn't rely on specific live-action actors and actresses. So those characters have a high probability to travel outside Japan compared with uh, locally produced live-action uh, genre. Mm-hmm. Some people believe that you know, Pokemon anime came from U.S. <laughs> so <laughs> anime is country-origin agnostics you know, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. That's a wonderful thing for people to feel it's part of them. And that's what you want almost all art to be, right? You want them to feel like they're connected to it. And also anime is an art form that has a good fit with internet and social media. These... 15 or 12 years was a very tough time for anime industry uh, because of internet piracy. Historically, anime was in the small corner of a uh, rental video store. I lived in Los Angeles 20 years ago, and I went to Hollywood Video or Blockbusters, and uh, you know, store guide you know, approached me, hey, I saw this Akira movie, that, that's a very good, good stuff, and oh, you know that, that's a very good stuff. But we didn't have, you know, opportunity outside that small corner. Then we have a big boom of Japanese anime, uh, and the DVD uh, was the main distribution media. Yeah. However, about 12 years ago, the internet uh, piracy destroyed the market for uh, non-Japanese anime distribution forever. Why, why do you think it did that? 
people are so passionate about it, but there are these sites called FanSub where people voluntarily make subtitles, <laughs> then redistribute Japanese anime. So they're almost mixing up、Free. a new piece. With the, yeah. yeah. So the monetization opportunity was gone.、Oh, man. And that means everybody's suffering that's in the art form, right? Because they're not、yeah. getting any money. I was in Japanese animation business for about 15 years, but at that time I had a very hard time to survive. But this internet piracy, ironically, expanded the fan base. Yeah. And there's this new young generation who grew up with anime. Then this legitimate internet broadcasting has come of age. Then monetization opportunity came back. Yeah. yeah. Then I'm here. <laughs> yeah, but It's unbelievable for me. But、uh, yeah, I'm so grateful, Netflix, for giving me this you know, great opportunity. Yeah. And there are many. Uh, stunning colleagues you know, who、uh, passionately work on anime, and our anime offering is you know, ex- expanding. And every show of Netflix, you know, this altered carbon anime,、sure. Pacific Rim anime, and Ghost in the Shell, Ghost in the Shell every project is for me once in a lifetime career project. <laughs> And you're doing lots of them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But I love that the three you just mentioned are all、uh, have become popular.、Um, I mean, Ghost in the Shell, of course, had a popular movie,、uh, live action movie variant recently that kind of booted its knowledge in the US to a broader audience. And then, of course, Altered Cobran is a pretty successful show of ours, which, of course, is also、uh, a live action. And we're making very, and of course, Pacific Rim launched outside of us live action. All of those now are going to be animated shows. Uh, movies.、Mm-hmm. Um, Alter Carbon will be a spin out movie. Okay. And then it will be shows. Yeah. Pacific Rim is going to be a series. Yeah. Yeah. John、true. is, you know,、uh, you know handling that. Yeah. Do you feel like this is the beginning of a heyday for animation? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's only the beginning. Yeah.、Uh, it's growing even bigger. I'm very excited、uh, for the you know, future trajectory. Of our business. Let me, let me ask you about Devilman because Devilman、um, Crybaby it has some aspects in its content that can be pretty hard to、uh, distribute. You, know, you wouldn't be able to air it, for example, on television and traditional television in the US.、Um, there's some pieces there that are kind of core to its storyline. Why is that appropriate for us?、Uh, I have a huge respect to the original manga. You know, creator、uh, Go Nagai,、uh, Mr. Go Nagai, is very respected. Uh, manga artist, and everyone r e s p e c t him very much. Uh, uh, in my view,、uh, Devilman、uh, tells the story of the dark side of human nature, and so it's a very compelling story.、Uh, I don't want to be a spoiler, but you know, the Devilman is a story where in manga, you know, demons are the native inhabitant of Earth, <laughs> and that was a very surprising story.、Yeah. And This demon hunting you know, starts, but in this、uh, demon hunting, it turned out that there are many dark side n a t u r e of you know, human races, species, and in an effort to depict that dark side of human nature, there are some violent scenes or you know, sexually explicit scenes. And that happens to be part of our dark side. Yeah, yeah. and、um, if we believe such、uh, explicit depiction is、uh, necessary, To achieve the intention of the storytelling, we are f- fully supporting the creator's motivation. 
I'm curious to see what we'll do as we're able to put money into creative work and not put the control down, not, not tighten the screws down on the artist to see what happens. Um, I'm excited that you're both kind of engaged in allowing that whatever comes out to work. I think we're not trying to <clears throat> just exploit that opportunity we have, right? Just for the sake of it, so yeah. we can put violence or sex in, into shows. I think we're trying to enable really exceptional artistic vision, right? Yeah. So when you see Gonagai, you see Yuasa-san, who cre- the director created. I mean, I think these are undeniable, huge talents um, with clear visions of the story they want to tell. And to Taito's point, we're, we're enabling that. It's really wonderful to be able to say to a creator, a potential person that come here, hey, you get creative freedom and 190 countries, um, you know, 140 million people, whatever it is that today. Uh, it's really a wonderful thing to be able to say to a creator. When you sit down with uh, creators, what are their trepidations? What are they saying? I'm not sure Netflix is the right place to go. For example, uh, the crews uh, who are working with on all type carbon anime, they're very excited to work with the show. Many Japanese top crews want to do sci-fi, sci-fi stuff. Uh, but uh, not that many Japanese anime fans would love to see sci-fi shows. <laughs> but globally, people are waiting for sci-fi anime. And Altered Common is the project. Yeah. And so they are very excited. So this is an opportunity that uh, satisfies the creators and aspiration to tackle a uh, you know, global level show. Why, why are uh, people in Japan not as interested in uh, sci-fi manga anime? Uh, there's always a trend in terms of the taste of in core anime fans and these days uh, younger generations enjoy lean back comedy uh, stuff and uh, which is not necessarily sci-fi you know and uh, sci-fi steampunk stuff was very strong you know about 10 or 15 years ago and those fans get older and younger generations have a tendency to enjoy lean back and comedy shows yeah that makes sense maybe because of the you know contemporary zeitgeist something you know life is tough so yeah (laughs) they want it lighter yeah Yeah. well you know but you have stuff like you know something like one punch man which is a massive franchise i mean attack on titan these are massive franchises i think the the issue is in japan there's just so many anime fans it's across a a much broader swath of types of stories and genres because there's so much audience in Mm -hmm. japan that's part of it um but you know there's some great sci-fi properties or or fantasy properties one one thing i would add to taito's point about what makes anime so unique is also just its unique ability to world build right you can take ips or stories that might almost be impossible to make in, say, fantasy, sci-fi, horror, and make them. We, we talked earlier about it being challenging to, to hire people. What is it that makes it difficult to hire for your teams? We are a tech company, and we are also an entertainment company. I believe, uh, relatively, it's easier to find talents from tech companies' background people. Whereas in local market in Japan, uh, entertainment executives, you know, spend longer time in one company mm-hmm. or two, and people are not used to changing careers and adapt themselves into fast, fast-paced tech companies' working environment. That's one challenge. 
So the entertainment industry has been around for a long time, and therefore people there you know, maybe change one time in their life, they change companies. But in the tech world, because tech changes so quickly, there's a little bit more shifting around. Exactly. Uh-huh. Our business changes a lot, right? Yeah. We've been growing so fast. Um, you know, I've been here six years. I've had many jobs. And we, we move very quickly to opportunities. So we have to be able to really reconfigure ourselves yeah. um, and adjust our work to the opportunity. And I think that that's where having someone with a bit of more of a startup or tech mentality can be very helpful. And that's, that's one thing, of course, that you might get people that have more malleability of changing roles and changing what they're doing because they have over time in tech. But if you're looking for someone with entertainment expertise and they're not looking to change locations, it's very hard to hire them. Yeah, there's, uh, yeah, I, I just thought, you know, uh, having you know, another issue, you know, uh, there are some people in entertainment industry who would like to be a gatekeepers. And, you know, being a gatekeeper can enhance your power. Yeah. But uh, in this organization at Netflix, being gatekeeper is not allowed. Everyone is supposed to be a high functioning hub and uh, having radical transparency in terms of you know, any accessible information. And that is a radical change from the traditional media or entertainment organization. Yeah. I mean, I think we've hired some fantastic people in this office, and I think all of them are kind of imbued with that spirit. Yeah. And so I, I think it's it's just a process of really finding, yeah. going out there, looking all around across lots of different organizations yeah. and really uh, finding a way to explain the context of what we're trying to do here and bring people in that get excited about that. Well, if you're getting excited and you're in, in uh, Japan, especially if you're in Tokyo or willing to move to Tokyo and interested, <laughs> take a look at jobs.netflix.com and maybe see if there's something fit for you. John, we are releasing three live action uh, pieces this year produced in Japan. Yeah. And we haven't been doing that. Like, this is a new thing. How are we achieving it? What's going on? What's it like to do that? It's super exciting and challenging and uh, just rewarding. Um, I think what we've done traditionally when we enter this market, like we do in a lot of markets when we enter, is we partner with local broadcasters. We try to start to learn about the appetite of our consumers and what they want to watch. And I think we're at a place now where we really want to make shows that feel very differentiated, feel like are cinema quality shows. And often that's not going to be a partnership with a broadcaster, right? They're more with working within the traditional ecosystem. They're making shows that are at a production value level and a, a budget level of, 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 of that business. So what we're looking with at these shows to do is really kind of define the Netflix brand as a place for like high quality cinematic uh, experience. I mean, most of these projects we're working with top directors, film directors. Mm -hmm. We're working with A-list um, cast. And they're shows with really uncompromising and really strong visions that I think if we put them beside a lot of our great successful Netflix shows, Narcos or 13 Reasons Why or Stranger Things, I think people around the world will look at them and, and really see them as of a piece with those visions. I want to ask you, I'm, I'm a product side person, right? I make the Netflix applications better, or I'm with a lot of people that do that, right? What do we need to change in the product to make it more acceptable for a Japanese audience? Especially in anime, uh, this binge watching is increasing. Yeah. And uh, people love to enjoy the episodes uh, all at once. So some part of the industry is, is still dependent on DVD business. And 
It's very interesting phenomena uh, where we see some shows is in, on free over the broadcast uh, weekly rollout basis, and after the 12 episode, then DVD sales will jump up. So this means fans uh, watch shows all at once yeah. on DVR, then make a decision to buy DVD or not. Netflix is becoming to supplement that viewing behavior. So our original shows with global first run, all at once episode availability, is creating a new norm, I'd say, uh, for anime fans. All right. I'm going to do a fun part of this, maybe fun Ooh, for you. Yeah, just waiting for this part. What are you watching right now? Tidying up with Maria Kondo. Are you doing tidying up with Maria Kondo? I fold it vertically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a uh, you know, significant impact on me. I and, agree. My, and me the too. story, uh, I'd say if Japanese crew made the same show, it wouldn't travel so globally and Why? it's i don't know maybe non-japanese sometimes discover the value of you know japan originated ip and um uh, you know i respect maria kondo you know i am even uh, i'm i might be wrong you know to describe her as an ip you know she's a very <laughs> you know, yeah Kombari is a you know wonderful respected you know, figure but it's all about the story of you know each family, yeah. and uh, and the story is great, and also this global internet TV platform is the media outlet for such a great storytelling, and otherwise you couldn't discover this wonderful Maria Kondo and uh, you know family story, and so I'd say this is a surprising. Netflix dreams comes true situation where Maria Kondo is a already you know celebrity in Japan, but she became even bigger global celebrity after the success of this show. And you didn't start folding your laundry correctly until you watched it on Netflix, right? Even though she's a celebrity, it had to, here. It had to go all the way around the world <laughs> first. <laughs> How about um, you, John? What are you watching? I'm watching Umbrella Academy. Mm-hmm. Almost done. Um, I think it's a show that uh, is it just revels in its uniqueness and not afraid to be itself and really um, kind of take its own courses. It, it, it works at its own pace, which I really admire. Um, yet it's a very big show for us, you know, yeah. and it's a very successful show. And it, it um, it's, uh, yeah, I love it. Do you just like things that came from comic books? Is that the rule? <laughs> No, not at all. I love uh, a wide variety of shows and programs. Um, but um, when we're working in anime, I mean, it's it's a good organizing principle if someone's created a very compelling world, yeah. right? So um, when we think about um, shows we're going to commission, um, having that, you know, um, we've announced we're doing a show based on one of Mark Millar's properties, Super Crooks, and having, uh, you know, someone who's created in their mind a really fulsome world with all sorts of, you know, heightened realms and heightened experience. I think that that's very helpful as we start down the process of creating a show in anime. Yeah, uh, I just want to add, uh, you know, going back to this um, uh, subsidiary thing, you know. uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Greg Peters once said, you know, there's no subsidiary and uh, there's only one global 
Netflix, one organization on a global basis, and including U.S. office, you know, each regional office is equal. Yeah. That's the idea. So our organization is in a flat. It's just about like a product, you know, on this global internet TV, each regional content is treated equally. Yeah. And every customer of Netflix have equal opportunity to discover every regional content from all over the world. And our organization is designed like that. I, and I would add, I think this is one of our huge strengths as we kind of compete globally and start to make content around the world, which is one of the really big eye-opening things that we're doing at Netflix, which is, you know, the U.S. is 4.4% of the global population. Um, we don't have, the U.S. doesn't have a, a lockdown on great storytelling yeah. by a long shot. And so I think what Netflix is doing right now is creating and giving a, a forum for great storytellers around the world to create. And that sort of diffusion of decision-making that we have at Netflix will enable us to make great choices across Europe, Asia, um, Africa, all around the world, which is a, a great advantage for the company. John and Taito, thank you so much for doing We Are Netflix with me. Thank you. Thank you. We Are Netflix is hosted by Lyle Troxel. He's a senior software engineer at Netflix. You can keep up with We Are Netflix on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. To learn more about careers at Netflix, go to jobs.netflix.com.